Hi, I'm Annie Lobert, and you are on Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. I am so elated. Aren't I always, by the way? I'm always excited, but specifically today, it is a beautiful day because I have a friend of mine that I've known across the miles that is an amazing person, brave, courageous, not only that, this girl, get this everyone, has three, you hear me? Three degrees. Dr. Kat Rosenblatt. I like how that sounds, Dr. Kat Rosenblatt, because it rhymes. I want to tell you a little bit about my friend. Dr. Kat Rosenblatt, LLMPHD, is living proof of the promise she heard long ago at a Billy Graham crusade that God would never forsake her. She has a PhD in conflict analysis and resolution and works closely with law enforcement agencies such as the FBI and Homeland Security to eliminate human slavery. Dr. Cat is also the founder of There Is Hope For Me, a nonprofit organization dedicated to freeing other victims of human trafficking. Cat, you are amazing girl and I'm so excited to speak with you today and have you on our show. How are you doing? I am so happy to be here with you, Annie. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor and a joy oh my to gosh. be with you. You, you, you just light up the camera, girl. I just look at your face and I'm just, I wish she was here. So next time in Las Vegas, you're going to sit in this place. But I, I wanted you to come on today because not only are you so courageous and amazing. I read your book when it first came out. And, and, and the reason why is because my editor introduced me to you and they were like, hey, check out her book. And I was like, wow, there wasn't a lot. And it's like six years ago, right? About seven years ago yeah a lot of survivors with books out that were published so you accomplished a feat that a lot of survivors a lot of survivors self-publish and the book company took you on which i'm just so happy for for you can you hold up your book it's called yes, stolen you. and and literally you guys this book trafficking survivor that's right she is a trafficking survivor thriver. Don't you dare mess with me, <laughs> warrior woman of God, okay? <laughs> like, yeah. She has been through so much. And Kat, you know, I want you to tell them, you know, you look just so normal. You look like you're happy, you're smiling, <laughs> your face is made up. I mean, how did this happen to you? How does a beautiful woman like you get caught up in sex trafficking. Like, and we know that your story is very unique as well because you were a child, okay? So can you tell us what happened and how it started? Well, <clears throat> let me first say the term normal, that, that actually is my goal in life, is to have a normal life. Um, people who have a normal life, I think they take it for granted that they don't have to go through the trials that you and I yeah. have had to go through to have this testimony. Um, people have to realize you're chosen. You, you're mm. not um, doing these things because 
out of your own free will. You're chosen by God to do them, to go through them, to endure them, and then to tell others about it so that they don't have to go through it. And so that's how it started for me. I grew up in an abusive home, and one day my mom took me to a Billy Graham crusade. She asked my father to drive us because she was a domestic violence victim and didn't drive. And so my father drove us, but he stayed in the stands. When Billy Graham gave the altar call, I told my mom, I want that. What he's offering is peace, which we did not have in our home. And all all I ever heard from my dad was a four-letter word. Um, That is until he got saved later in life. But at that moment, as a little girl, I just knew enough that what he was offering was what I needed, what I desperately needed and wanted. And I begged my mom to take me down. We walked all the way down. We were like at the top. We walked all the way down the stadium stairs. And I I stood on the platform and prayed to receive Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And he is available for everyone and anyone right now just by calling on his name. Yeah, yeah. I I love that. I love that so much. What what did that feel like when you went down to that altar? Like, did you did you feel the presence of God? Did you feel like I'm getting set free right now for the moment that it was? I. I was so little, I didn't even know that I was such a sinner <laughs> because the real sin came later. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I know. Who, who knows? You can be saved and right. still be a sinner. <laughs> right? But totally. see, that, Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Hallelujah. Otherwise, none of us <laughs> would be here. You know? <laughs> he is, isn't he, girl? He is the man. <laughs> <laughs> girl, oh my gosh. Like, seriously, some of the stuff that I've done, like, I just thank God. I can't even believe the FBI and, and law enforcement want to work with me. You know, it's, it's just part of the package when you get involved in trafficking and mm-hmm. gangs and stuff. But I didn't see that coming as a little girl. But you know what? God saw it coming. And that's why he chose me at such a young age to receive him into a relationship with him because he knew I was going to need his Holy Spirit to guide me through these waters with these rough gangsters, with the cartel, with, you know, drug dealers, with all this evil, with people with AIDS. He knew I was going to need to rely on his spirit to protect me. But there as a young, innocent child, I just wanted peace. I just Mm. wanted what this man offered. And at that moment, I felt kind of, to be honest, kind of terrified of Billy Graham because he was really tall and he had these long bony fingers that he was pointing right at me. And he said, God will never leave you or forsake you. And I was like, okay, yes, sir. <laughs> like I got you. <laughs> what For uh, whatever reason, that statement stuck in my head and in my heart. And afterwards, after I prayed, uh, one of their counselors came and talked to me and my mom, my mom did not at that time, she was not ready to receive mm. Jesus, but she walked down mm-hmm. with me. And later she became a Christian. My brother got saved. My father got saved. And a lot of times, you know, as well as I do, you know, it's the least of these in families that have to start things off to break that generational curse and right. everybody and reverse it. So everybody now is in the kingdom of heaven because, you know, my mom's no longer with me. My dad's no longer with me. So I just praise the Lord that I went forward and um, 
eventually, you know, my dad did surrender, but I used mm-hmm. to say he was the meanest man that I knew. And so I didn't have a good understanding of what a safe father figure was, what right. safe love was. And that's mm-hmm. where it started for me with trafficking. It always starts in the home. Right. See, that's profound that you say that. A, a lot of people would say, well, I mean, you know, not always, Annie, but a lot of the trafficking victims had a very bad upbringing where there was no parents. And if there were parents, they were not very attentive or they, they worked too much or they were abusive, right? Or a relative came in and sexually abused or the person that was living there was sexually abusing them. So, so you ended up what? Did you run away? What, how did this happen? How did you get, did you get with a gang or, or what happened? So I wasn't a runaway at first. I mean, at first, you know, I just went with my mom to this hotel, moderately priced hotel to get away from my dad. So she ran away from him in a sense, you know, for the abuse to stop. Um, And she took us with her and we lived at a hotel over the summer. There was a trafficking ring networked in the hotel. So while my mom took two buses to work, even though she left my dad, she still was financially dependent on him and went to work for him. So she went to work for him, which meant that emotionally she was checked out when she got home. She was checked out. Wow. She um, she drank to uh, overcome the effects of domestic violence, you know, um, and, and she was addicted to alcohol until she met Jesus. Then she became mm. addicted to him. And the alcohol just disappeared. I mean, it was nothing short of miraculous at that time. So, But that wouldn't come until later. And so my mom would go to work. And this trafficking ring was networked throughout the hotel. It was called the Dynasty Hotel in Miami Beach. And so they were looking for young, vulnerable American children uh, to meet the needs of sex tourists, sex buyers that came to the wow. hotel looking to buy children. You know, if wow. you can believe it, like sex with children, these old men, like this 65 year old man who they took me to wanted to have sex with me. Now as an adult, I understand that's disgusting. That's wrong. Yes. But at 13, yes. I didn't understand that. Yeah. You're probably thinking, wow, they think I'm beautiful or something, right? I, I don't know what you were in your head you were thinking, but if when I was 13, I might have thought the same thing, like, oh, you know? Yeah, because you come from abuse and all you, all you ever know is negative. And then all of a sudden she introduced uh, this girl, Mary, who met me at the pool area. She introduced me to her pimp who told me I could call him daddy, right? And so they used what I call the daddy hole. And so I was looking for that sense of safety, that sense of belonging, you know, because my mom went to work, left me alone a lot. You know, my brother was there. He used to beat me up. I didn't have anyone to protect me. I didn't have anyone to look out for me. So here comes this man. He looks like a pastor. I know blonde hair and blue eyes. And he has two little kids. He's thrown up in the air at the pool. I mean, what could be wrong with him? You know, Mm. well, he was the devil in disguise. I guarantee you that's what they call a wolf in sheep's clothing because he he was just that he was waiting for the opportunity to pounce on me and my virginity and my innocence. And that's what it was. They were selling innocence. Wow. So then how long were you like stuck in that 
part of town? Like, did your mom get out of that a hotel or did you end up going with these people? So the first experience I had, and unfortunately, I would have more than one trafficking experience. I don't know if you could tell, I'm a little bit more vulnerable um, as a person. You know, there's nothing wrong with me. I think I had to go to so much education to prove that it's there's nothing wrong with me, you know, but I used to blame myself. Why did I keep falling for this? Because I was so hungry for love. I was so hungry right. for, you know, a safe family or, or people to look out for me. And if you look under Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, mm-hmm. it, it all starts there, you know, self-esteem, a sense of belonging, um, a sense of safety and protection, or even just basic needs, food. So here I was at the hotel and I was hungry and Mary told me to ask daddy for a dollar. And I asked him for a dollar and he was her pimp, but I could call him daddy. And so I asked him for a dollar and he handed me a dollar to get a bag of chips. And he said, you know, cause as a single parent home, my mom didn't have money for stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, for extra stuff. So, um, so he handed me the dollar and he said, but one day you'll owe me. And I said, what does he mean by that? And she goes, don't worry. You'll know. Well, he said, don't worry. You'll know when you find out. Um, and you won't be able to say no. And she just shrugged it off. Like, don't worry. He's joking, you know, like to put my guard down. So if I would have known what was attached to that dollar girl, I would have gone hungry for a week instead of getting caught up with these people. So before you take anything from anyone, know exactly what you're giving in return for that. Right. Because sometimes you could be giving your very soul. Like you Mm -hmm. see these kids in Houston going, buying a ticket for a concert and they're going, they're going straight to hell. Yeah. And it's just so easy right now because they're not even paying attention. And so that's what it was. I wasn't paying attention because I was hurting inside. I was hurting and so over the course of a month, Mary, who was my recruiter, she groomed me and she introduced me to, to different men. She would tell me I would go on dates with them. I didn't get it that this was the life of prostitution, you know, because she just like sugarcoated it so nicely, like packaged it, you know, just real, you know, sweet and gentle. Like, I'm your best friend. I'm your big sister. You know, I'm not going to let anything happen to you and you're going to go on dates and they're going to treat you good, you know, and they're going to give you money and you're going to be okay. You're going to be able to buy stuff and you're not going to be hungry anymore, you know, and they use your vulnerability as a little girl or even as a young woman in this world, you know, that is unkind and cruel to get you to trust them. And so when I did I guess when she figured I was finally ready, um, there was a 65 year old man who wanted to buy me. And she told me, I want you to get dressed and wear a white dress because we're going to play a game and you're going to be a bride. And in this game, um, you're going to meet a man who wants to be a dad just to you. And I know our adult minds is like, we're thinking, really? Like if my mom heard that story, she would be like, Katerina, what were you thinking? But at my 13-year-old mind, she was speaking to my my heart, my need, mm-hmm. my need to feel protected because every day I get beat up, 
You know, every day my dad would cuss me out. Every day I was worthless to the people who I was supposed to be priceless. Right. I was worthless to them. And so mm-hmm. here she lured me in through that re- false relationship. And I did my dissertation on trafficking and wrote it in my first book called Trafficking in America. And I found that the average grooming period is a month. And that's what they do is they use your vulnerability, your Mm -hmm. trust through false friendships, false boyfriends, false relationships to introduce you into the life of sex trafficking, but for God. And so there I was, I went to meet Mary in the stairwell. She took me to this man's hotel room and the 65 year old man opened the door and uh, he said, you're beautiful. And all the things I wish my dad would have said to me, he, he told me and he touched my shoulders and my hair and told me how pretty I was. And you and I both know beauty is sometimes a curse, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not all that it's cracked up to be because people see you as an object, no matter what age you are, pretty little girl, you know, pretty young thing. And you're constantly being preyed upon in this society. And our society does not help it one bit because it objectifies women and young girls and young boys, young, young children mm-hmm. uh, of all ages, you know, with the pageants and with all the, the beauty, all the Instagram famous stuff. And so when he told me those things, it was what I wanted to hear, but I wanted to hear them from my dad. I wanted to hear them from a safe man. I wanted to hear them from someone who meant it with good intentions, not from this guy. And I started to get that stranger danger feeling. And I tell kids all the time, trust your instincts. And so I backed away from him. You know, I was wearing this little white dress, the only white dress that I had, a jean my parents had bought me. Um, And I think my dad bought me. He, He only bought me about one or two dresses. And... I sat down on the floor. He, This guy wanted me to sit on the bed next to him. And I said, no, thank you. You know, and I was brought up to be polite, but I shouldn't have been because this, this dude was up to no good. And I wish somebody had warned me, a parent, you know, or, or a caregiver, a guardian, a teacher, somebody, or a textbook, anything to warn me where I was, what I was living, but they didn't warn me because there was no education about human trafficking. And so Mary locked the door, prepared marijuana on a plate. And I just remember shooting up a quick prayer and saying, God help me, God help me. You know, I remembered the words that Billy Graham had said, and I was like, you promised you would never leave me or forsake me. So please help me get out of this. I don't know what's going on, but I just know I'm in danger. And so, I didn't take the drugs when they offered it. And the guy said, "Um, have you ever had sex before? And I said, no. And Mary said, well, you know, she's ready for you. How much will you pay for her? And he said, well, I'll pay 500. And she said, no, I want 550 because she's a virgin. And um, at that moment, he looked at me and he was like, are you? And I, I honestly didn't know. I was like, does kissing count? You know, when you're 13 years old, you have no idea. That's innocent. Mm. I was truly because they were selling a market for innocence. There was a market for innocence. They were selling, he was buying, but I didn't know I was for sale. My mom would have bought me. My mom would have fought for me. And so 
I couldn't comprehend everything that was happening because of my age. You know, your frontal lobe is not fully developed until you're Mm -hmm. 24 as a female or 29 as a male. And so I know we talked about that. You realize that later on in life, if I would have really known. I mean, I I wasn't 13, Kat, and I just want to respect your experience. Um, But I can relate to being molested younger and prodded, but... I was a teenager when I got trafficked and <laughs> you're just not ready for any trafficking. Like your mind is just not there. So tell us, you, I mean, after this experience, obviously this happened, you know, what did you do after? And then what do you do now? We only have five minutes left. Oh, and I'm, I'm so sorry. sad. No, it's okay. I, I want to just push you along. You're just going to have to come back on, girl, because you have so much to I say that is so yeah. valuable and precious. And people need to hear this. So I thank yes. you for your time. But go for it. Finish that little story. And then let's go into what you're doing now and what we can pray for you for in your website. Thank you. And I just want to honor you for your story. And thank you for sharing. I'm sorry for what you went through also. Oh. But I truly believe it's through survivors that we heal. And that's why I started a nonprofit after coming out of the first one, the first one ended in attempted murder. They left me for dead on the side of the road um, because I fought back and drugged me and left me. My mom found me, but she moved us out of the hotel. Before she moved us, I saw Mary recruiting a 10 year old little boy. Even then there was a market for them. And so later on, when I started going into schools and strip clubs and um, jails, juvenile jails to talk to girls, I found that one in three middle schoolers were being recruited, one in nine high schoolers, and 30% were boys, you know, and trans. And so as a result, there, there's a whole, and in kids with disabilities, there's a whole group of children that are so vulnerable to being trafficked. Yes. Yes. And so... Uh, I wound up having to experience this four separate times. I talk about three in detail in Stolen. And then the fourth one is a modeling scam with a famous actor called Eddie Egan. He he mm. actually, they, they made the French connection about him. But I didn't know he was anything but a dirty old man. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope to write another book about that. But I did eventually get out of it, and I married into a very abusive family, um, Mm. which uh, my ex-husband's father was indicted for working for Pablo Escobar and the Colombian cartel. Uh, Leaving that family was worse than staying to this day. To this day, 30 years later, they're making me pay the penalty, the price, to the point that the last two years, the amount of stress that I've been under that they caused me uh, to leave my daughter's wedding, just driving that last nail in my in my heart, you know, has developed an aneurysm in my heart. So my heart mm. is broken right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I still continue to do the work and the calling because God didn't set me free for nothing. Yeah. And he, listen, he listen. Set me free. That's right. That's right. So Kat, you have something and by the time people see this that's coming up that is very serious. So make sure everyone goes to there's hope for me dot com, right? There is hope for me. You're going to see it on the screen. Also her book link is on the screen to get her book. You're going into an operation. 
and we have two minutes left. So we are going to be in prayer for your recovery because we know, you remember what Billy Graham said, God will never leave you or forsake you. And we declare that right now in the name of Jesus. And in 48 hours, 48 hours, cat, you're going to get your aneurysm fixed and you're having open heart surgery, correct? Yeah. So the way I look at it, Annie, is look, after my whole life and going through all this craziness, trafficking, gangs, all that, the cartel, whatever, domestic violence, I survived. I survived each and every time. I survived cancer. I survived all that. But you know what? God is good. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. That's and right. I'll tell That's you right. what. I tell you what, if I'm not here in a month when this airs, I'll be with Jesus. So either way, it's a win-win. I survive and it's another testament of glory to God. If not, I'm done and I get my reward. I understand. You're going to be here. I'm just going to say that right now. You're going to be here. You got a really great surgeon and you found him and God led you to Mm -hmm. him. So I know about surgeries a little bit. So listen, you are going to make it and and you're going to come out on the other side. So everyone, I want you to rally around cat i want you to go to her website there is hopeforme.org i want you to donate she works with trafficking victims every day she's a fighter she teaches people she has three degrees she is out there changing the world for good and bringing them the love of jesus and also get her book as stolen and i just i mean i read it you guys it was fantastic reads like a movie she's incredibly talented writer and and cat we love you and we just say right now jesus have your way and i Amen. thank you that she is going to come out alive and healthy and in one piece and lord to continue to be in the fight against sex trafficking in jesus name amen cat you know you're you're such a shining light uh, God bless you. And we're in your corner and I'm just so proud that I got to meet you over the video <laughs> besides our phone calls. Right. <laughs> but oh, I'm in so person thankful for your prayers, girl, I'm going to hug you in person. Yeah. I say that right now. <laughs> so we'll see you soon. And I want to come you back on to tell us the second part of your story and to share okay. with us what happened. Okay. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. And God bless you and your ministry as well. And your family. Thank you. We love you. Hi, dear friends. Annie here. Did you know that we have a nonprofit that serves sex trafficking victims? And how did this come about? Well, that was so simple for me because I am a former trafficking victim of more than a decade in Las Vegas, I had two different traffickers that almost destroyed me and ravaged my soul. But by the grace of God, I sit in this chair today and I can testify that Jesus is real and that my complex trauma and all the pain that I endured got totally solved by the love of God. And I wanted to share this today because we have a home called the Destiny House, where ladies can dream, discover, and develop into God's perfect destiny He has planned for them. We have trauma therapy, equine therapy. The ladies eat great big meals at the tables together. They go to trauma counseling. They have group therapy counseling. They go to addiction classes. 
they end up signing up for a vocation college and then they end up getting a job before they leave our program. I am asking you, the one who's watching this, the one who's listening, to please consider to partner with us. You can go to pinkchair.com and click on donate. Please partner with us. <music>